0: Assalamu alaikum alaykum wa, wa barakatuh. Peace and blessings be on all our viewers out there. Welcome to another Muslim Vibe podcast with myself, Inayat Kanji. And today we are talking Muslims and fostering. And for that purpose, we are very, very, very privileged to uh, have with us none other than Ismuth Jiraj and Mehtaab. Mehra- uh, well, All us Kojas, we have rhyming names, right? Yes. So like, it's very confusing. Um, but yes, um, so thank you very much for joining us. Now, Ismat, I know you are a writer yourself, um, and we'll get to that point and why that is relevant in a moment. But more importantly, um, is the fact that um, your mother is actually 25 years in the fostering game, in that you have been Somebody that we should really, um, you know, um, take heed of and you know, uh, following in your footsteps because, uh, as I say, it's a really, really remarkable thing to do. Um, having been a teacher previously and worked in care homes and things and worked with foster parents and you know, uh, other institutions, I've seen how difficult it can be. So, um, so yeah, so it's great to have you here to talk on the subject matter of fostering in itself. Um, and obviously, being her daughter, you would have much experience uh, of the same then, um, but from a different angle. Obviously, being a sibling to uh those uh foster children um who you would have obviously taken in for whatever periods they were um but in turn uh why i mentioned the article and the fact that you're a writer as well is because obviously and unfortunately guys um we have had some more islamophobic narratives in the media um and uh for this purpose i'm more addressed yourself obviously um Isma, but uh i was quite um i was quite actually uh slow to catch up with this uh news feed um in that you know uh, i had salim actually forwarding me all these articles and i like, can you believe this and then like, can you believe this um and then, so for instance i actually read the guardians uh, article after mm-hmm. um oh, sorry before reading the times article so the times article was the main one which everyone blew up upon because it's all about what this young white-faced english christian whether practicing or not but by heritage christian child um and that is relevant in itself um being forced into a muslim fostering family in which this muslim family then put them through all sorts of ordeals which is going to scar them for life um because in essence they were forcing upon them culture and religion which was alien to them um and it was a very demonizing and uh, quite insulting article in a way and then many other articles rather than um reputing it or anything other They in turn followed on with the thread and, you know, kind of further added fire to the flames, um, fuel to the flames. Sorry. Uh, So, yeah. So you then in turn managed to respond to them. Is that
1: correct? Yeah, so um, I remember seeing the headline or the front page of the Times at some ungodly hour on, yeah. on the bank holiday Monday and was kind of really quite annoyed, but I thought, OK, let's sleep on this, let's wait and see. Um, came down in the morning and I remember having a conversation with my parents over breakfast about just how outrageous this article was, not just the headline, mm-hmm. which kind of screamed white Christian child forced into Muslim care, yeah. um, but actually some of the points that they raised within the article, mm-hmm. um, particularly the point about the foster care family not being able to speak English, which for me was immediately a bit of a red flag having understood the kind of extensive training um, that that foster carers have to yeah. undergo, but also yeah. the extensive reporting you have to do mm-hmm. and therefore the need for at least a basic understanding and command of English. Right. Um, and so I kind of did a, the standard rant on Twitter, as you do <laughs> on social media. Um, <laughs> started a bit of a conversation through then. Cause yeah. it, you know, it was quite clear that there was quite a few other individuals who were sharing similar concerns. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, I'm not... The most prolific writer, but I contacted The Guardian and I said, "Look, I want to do an op-ed piece yeah. because I think we're having the wrong debate here. It's become mm. about Christianity versus Islam, whereas you know there's a real need there's a real need for a conversation about the short the shortfalls, I guess, of the care system." And so, if I write something, will you run it? Um, and yeah, fortunately, they said yes. Uh, they then kind of called me after it went online and said, "Would you mind if we put it in print?" Which was. Fantastic. Were you surprised
0: that they, uh, you know, also uh, well, of course, coming, yeah. of course,
1: the Guardian is um, a very left-leaning paper. It yeah. is my paper of choice, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so like they were definitely like the obvious home for it. Yeah. Um, but it was good to kind of see their their support, but also them sharing those concerns around kind of the rising Islamophobia, right? And the fact that there are a number of papers now who, you know, it's kind of pretty standard for them actually to kind of pedal those kind of messages those that, that are quite divisive mm-hmm. um, and you know I guess kind of the media picked up on that the debate kind of ensued um, Tower Hamlets the local authority in question immediately came out and said you know there's been some inaccuracies yeah. or mis- misrepresentation of the facts um, there was a court case as well that week so kind of within a short space of time there was mm-hmm. all of these new facts coming out mm-hmm. um, and I think the Times did three or four articles all which made the front page <laughs> Um kind of just really kind of strengthening their own position and crediting themselves for exposing this this tragedy, <laughs> and you know of course the well being of the child in question is mm. is really important, and you want them to be in a safe environment of course um but it it wasn't you know it wasn't like a child was being held from going to her grandmother. Right. there's always a process in which you f- follow to ensure that it's yeah. safe for that child to go with extended family members yeah. um and I guess once the the ruling of the the case came out it was quite clear. That they've well,
0: in some... It's interesting uh, you mentioned that because um, MPAC uh, put together, uh, you know, uh, an article um, which basically surmised, you know, the outcome of uh, the rulings, and it was interesting going through it, you know, all the different kind of uh, contradictions and how almost exaggerated um, it was from the truth. For instance, I, I pick on one here. Part five um, of the judicial report had said that. The child was put into temporary foster care by the police due to the mother's alcohol and drug problems. Now, that wasn't mentioned in any of the articles, yet I was pointing out to uh, Salim, the chief and editor before, that some articles would, however mentioned that the foster parents would make slurs about European women to this child, mentioning that all European women are drunks and alcoholics. So you see the lovely way they've twisted that there, you know. So, um, or for instance, um, part 14 had said that, you know, uh, the child's guardian undertook inquiries, visited the foster carer's <coughs> home and spoke to the child alone. Um, there was no concern raised and assess that the child was settled and cared mm. for. You know, or, as you say, all the due procedures, you're not realising, you know, that... In turn, whilst you're trying to, you know, affect the mindset of people and, you know, um, tar this family, what you're also doing then is effectively saying that our system is completely rubbish then as well, um, ironically.
1: And that's a conversation that arguably should have been had. Yeah. Let's talk about the failures of the um, the care system, the fact that there is a shortage of carers which... Which I arguably leads to the reason why children are placed with families who perhaps don't match their cultural heritage.
0: Right, and th- and th- that's an interesting point to maybe bring. Uh, you know, uh, Metab Auntie in. On, I'm sorry, I'm going to call you Auntie. Because I I need to be respectful. <laughs> that's um, fine. No, you can call me <laughs> Metab Auntie. Doesn't matter. <laughs> but um, you know, uh, and I know that you don't want to necessarily <laughs> speak specifically on the article itself. Um, but it's interesting because, uh, like you just mentioned, it's... Is there a massive shortage, um, especially in light of, you know, the recent refugee crisis um, and, you know, the movement of migrants through Europe and to Britain? Firstly, I suppose the question must be, um, and sorry to merge the topics, guys, but it's important, I think, to talk about this in a context. Um, But first, the question must be is, like, how much is there a shortage of muslim foster carers first and foremost um you know are you in a massive minority and do you find that you know there are you know muslims are not forthcoming to come and help their own um you know uh, children in crisis if you like um not that we shouldn't be caring for people of all faiths whatever the circumstance because a child is a child an orphan is an orphan and if we're obviously you know believers of the faith then we know that the prophet held orphans dearest so The point being is, firstly, is there a massive shortage of Muslim foster carers?
2: There is a shortage of Muslim carers. Right. Definitely Definitely a shortage of Muslim carers.
0: And then secondly, then, um, is that do you find this is the case whereby the pairings themselves then are not necessarily thought out in that... um, are they so pressurised and therefore forced to kind of just react and place children wherever? Or is it something more kind of, I don't know, don't want to say sinister, but more for lack of duty from their part, no. whereby they're not investigating or finding the Muslim uh, carers? Uh, no.
2: I think Muslim carers themselves are not coming forward, could be for whatever reason. Right. Now, I would think one of the reasons is because many Muslims have got daughters and they wouldn't want to foster a male child. Right, right. Or if they got to male children, then the boys that they wouldn't want to foster girls, especially because of keeping them segregated. Yes,
0: yeah.
2: Um. You can foster teenagers if you want. You can foster babies. You can foster young children. Mm-hmm. So, for example, when my girls were growing up, I was fostering babies up to and children from not till ten. Right, right. And boys, I would only do up to six years of age. I wouldn't do older than six years because I myself would not have been able to cope.
0: Interesting. Yeah. So that was yeah. the
2: reason that I chose. So you do get the choice of what you want to do. Okay. At the moment as well, my choice is from birth till sixteen mm-hmm. for girls mm-hmm. and boys. I said up to twelve. Okay. Because after twelve, I don't think I would personally be able to cope with boys.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's actually. So that
2: is my choice. Yeah,
0: and you're entitled to. And I think actually that's more fair on the child in a way because you're being honest about your personal circumstance your own kind of beliefs or you know whatever values around why you make that decision um and in turn that person can then get the right care care okay. um, because yeah. give
2: the care that i can give them because when they come to us that's what they expect
0: exactly exactly and if
2: we cannot give them then we are failing them it, it precisely, okay. it precisely now having said that the children mm-hmm. even if there was an emergency case they would keep the children for maybe a couple of days while they are looking for a carer who meets the child's criteria right right Having said that, it's not necessary that the culture and the religion should match. As long as the carer is experienced enough to be able to provide the care and keep the child safe, Mm -hmm. that is paramount.
0: Indeed. indeed. And that is
2: going to be important whether the child is Muslim or Mm non-Muslim, the child is atheist.
0: And that brings it back actually to Ismith and your article um, and your experience being uh, obviously uh, within the same family. Mm In um, that, because you mentioned many a time, you know, if you were to have somebody of a different faith, if they were Christian, for example, you know, celebrating Christmas and Easter's has never been an issue per se. Um, I mean, so what does an article like this do, again, for the mindset of the general public, especially in the in the current climate? Um, you know, how how do you think, uh, you know, what impact do you think it will have? Uh, are people going to be pr- uh, privy to, you know, almost the falsehood of this article and be like, you know, we're with the, the you know, the rest. Um, or is it going to be more case of more, you know, oh my gosh, is Muslims really like that? Like, you know, wh- what do you think?
1: Yeah, I think the way, you know, it's the original article is framed. It was mm-hmm. suggesting that either being Muslim is incompatible with British values and therefore we shouldn't have Muslim carers or that if we do have Muslim carers they're all going to be like this yeah. and so I actually guess that telling my parents story was really mm-hmm. important in changing that narrative um, and I know for example the BBC did a feature piece um, kind of sharing a good news story yeah. which yeah. which often isn't told actually <laughs> um, and from that a lot of people have got in touch of course you kind of get your standard trolls yeah. um, and a lot of people were saying you know what we were doing is child abuse um, but then also a lot of people were saying you know this is fantastic we didn't realise that you know there were Muslims who were playing their role mm-hmm. um, in public life who were kind of contributing back so positively to society mm-hmm. and And similarly, a lot of Muslims who kind of came forward and said, do you know what? It's great to see a Muslim doing this. I want more information. Can you share your own experiences with me? Right, right. And
0: I think, you know, uh, having been a a presenter of talk shows like this, I've covered this subject several times. Um, And so I'm not uh, unaware of the fact that, as you mentioned, you know Muslim uh, fosterers are much in need and in demand. Um, however, I was wondering, has have things changed over the years in the last ten years? Um, you know, um, in your opinion, uh, Auntie, um, Nathan, Auntie I do you feel that? Whilst maybe the you know the media is on one side of things the the government and behind closed doors and within council and things do you think they are working towards helping uh, our community and working with muslim foster parents do you feel that they're on your side or well
2: for my if i speak on behalf of my local authority yeah. yes very okay. much so
0: Interesting because this is the point, we don't yes. want to you know, um, tar everyone with the Everyone's same family. brush. I exactly. have not
2: experienced anything else, and yeah. I know other foster carers from other areas, and they have also got the same thing to say that no, their uh, local council supports them. A very supportive, right? I have gone to so many trainings. Mm-hmm. I have gone to meetings and everything. I've never felt that they have looked at me
1: differently or t- treated me differently. Right, right. I've not had like, that. I remember your your caseworker actually getting in touch with us and saying, "Can you help us recruit more Muslim recruit carers?" Recruit more Muslim carers, yes. That's see, see, that's really interesting. I'm just trying to see if and it, they were willing to come to the mosque to give a talk if you wanted. They were, yeah, they were willing to kind of you know do pretty much anything to mm. try and get the word out there.
0: And I and I feel like this has often been my experience of anything like this, in that you know. Um, on the ground in the immediate sense the people which you interact with have always got a good intention you know uh, you know it's very rare you know when we hear these uh, you know really kind of harsh stories within social care, um, it's often the minority, mm-hmm. it's, ne- it's not necessarily, most people who go into social care, it's not for the money, it's for, for the satisfaction of the job itself. So often I find, whether it has been in teaching, you know, you can have your, your criticisms and your judgments and everything can be improved, obviously. But the point being, as you say there, Mehta that. The people that you meet on the ground often are very caring are very Mm. genuine and forthcoming and want to help and therefore when they see a Muslim uh, you know minority um, and they see a person from that coming forward to help uh, in a circumstance where as I say do you feel the balance of um, fostering now in terms of numbers I'm not sure you know not that your statistical (coughs) um, yeah that you should be aware completely of the statistics but the point being is that do you know Are there, for instance, now more Muslim fostering needed than non-Muslim? In London, for instance, you know, I, I know the rest of the country, but maybe yeah, in London. Yeah, I think
2: in London it's equal at the moment. Okay, it interesting. It is equal. However, yes, we do need Muslim carers because many Muslim children are coming into care. Right, right. And for that, we need to be there to provide mm. the, right. s- the support and the care that we need. Yeah, because even if, for example, if a child goes to a non-Muslim family, a hmm. very good non-Muslim foster carer, an experienced hmm. foster carer, Yeah. That foster care will be able to provide to the child's needs. But sometimes we have to be counselors to the parents as well. We have to be supporting parents as well. Interesting. So if you are not aware of the culture or the religion norms, then how are you going to support the family? Right, right, right,
0: right. That's a very good point. Having said that, it's not
2: bad if the child ends up in a non-Muslim home. Hmm. Provided uh, these days I've noticed foster carers will ring me and say, look, I've got a Muslim child. Can okay. you tell me where will like get halal meal from? What is the important thing I should do? Should I mm. give them a separate room to pray? Okay. Should we all be very quiet when the child is praying? So or can we just give them a corner where they can pray? Can we come and get the met, um, prayer mat? Or where can we go and get a prayer mat from? Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're asking questions to get all this, for this information. And they are doing their best to provide for their child.
0: Interesting. So even within, you know, the foster parents themselves, you know, it's almost, you know, communal effort to help of one course. another. Where there's gaps in knowledge or whatever. In yeah, people. Like
2: when I had a child who, was, uh, who had... <laughs> Afro hair and I mm. didn't know how to look after Afro hair so I mm. had to contact another social uh, mm. foster carer mm. and ask her how do I go about doing this mm.
0: and, and it's, it's funny I, I'm smiling because it is such a, an everyday thing you know a simple thing but it's something we can often over, overlook, we can you overlook know.
2: because it's not part of our routine so you, and you don't even sometimes know if you're doing the right thing mm. I remember when I took one child to to have her hair plated yeah, and, yeah. and I thought I'll be back home in two hours time it took me seven <laughs> hours I, I remember
1: sitting in this barber shop for seven for hours seven <laughs> hours
0: that's why it's funny we mentioned barbershop earlier because that is why they you know is their life you know they live in the barbershop yeah. they joke so right took,
2: and I said my god imagine this child had to sit there on the chair for seven <laughs> hours to have her, her <laughs> lived It's not an easy thing no, was no. crying but she had wow. to be done because her parents wanted it
0: wow 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 that's so interesting well, and that
2: was an eye opener for me because I never expected that
0: I, you know this brings it to something more I suppose uh, existential in there it must be such a, a enlightening process being a foster parent and a foster sibling okay. in that the way in which it will develop and open your mind Mm -hmm. um, and your heart and your spirituality um, and being Muslim as well, uh, understanding your faith as well. It must be a real blessing um, in many ways,
2: right? I think so because I'll be frank, when I started fostering Mm. and after that my extended family noted, especially my father said, you know what, since you have started fostering I can see a difference in your children. They are very ready to share their things. Wow! Because they were willing to share me and my husband with other children, Right. so material thing did not mind. Whatever right. came, they were happy to share with others. They were never, never squabbling about things. They don't know oh, this is mine,
0: That's or this is yeah.
2: anyone. They they, they learned that whenever anything was, if they were given a choice, they would give other people a choice first before they went and picked something. Yeah, up.
0: yeah. So yeah. that
2: all oh, that all came from fostering.
0: That's amazing. And so you see,
2: it is a, it's. has been a helpful to me. It's been a blessing to me as well that my children have grown up and the example here. Indeed. I don't have to say more.
0: Indeed, indeed. And, I mean, it's you know, how, how did it feel? Like, I mean, because how old were you when you first... Were you young enough to comprehend that, you know, this person is not related to you, etc. You know, did you understand the situation yeah, at the time? Yeah, sure.
1: So, I mean, my parents started fostering when I was probably about two and a half, three years old, so clearly not. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, like, I, I think the first kind of real case i remember or kind of placement with us mm. with these four sisters and they were with us for five and a half years and that was kind of throughout my formative years Okay. and wow. so like, we grew up as sisters the six of us so it was me and my sister and then yeah. four of them yeah um and you know we went to school together we kind of played games together we shared our meals you know did everything mm. as the siblings do and um when it came time for them to kind of move back to, with their parents i remember my parents actually sent me and my sister away to my grandmother's because they were like that parting. I, I guess is going to be so emotional for you guys and so difficult for you guys. Yeah. Let's 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 not try to make it an already difficult situation more complicated. And so we said our goodbyes beforehand, not fully actually recognizing or realizing we were saying goodbye. Wow. And then when we came back, we we're like, okay, so where are these guys? <laughs> like, <laughs> when are we yeah. going to see them?
0: Oh, wow, that must be quite hard though, as well. In a sense, you know, I mean, uh, you know, people think of the negative side of how you will deal with adjusting to, you know, the shared attention, shared material, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But On the flip side how do you deal with the the change when they leave Um, that is
2: the hardest part of fostering
0: and you know because people as i say a lot of people think the cynical way whereby you know a fostering parents doing it for the extra money or this or that you know but people don't think about if you're a genuine person how difficult that must be
2: i i would like to just say something on that point about saying that making money we we Mm. are there 24 7. Mm, mm. I had one child who after 12 o'clock would come and knock on my door and say auntie I'm having chest pains she was 14 years old wow, okay. so I would be spending my nights in A&E and that was everyday for I think, eight months. Yeah. Wow. Eventually, a told us, you cannot come to any any e anymore, unless it's an emergency. I said, really? it's a foster child. Huh. If she's saying she's having chest pains, I have to bring her Yeah, here. yeah, yeah. I cannot take a risk. If it was of my course. own child, I yeah. might take a risk and say, mm. no, you're not going. But mm. for a foster child, I cannot take that risk.
0: And people may not realise, you know, when you say um, why you have to... Uh, because, you know, uh, if, if a doctor's saying there's not uh, anything wrong with the, the patient, what, why would you continually do it? But people don't realize how traumatized some of these children are, right?
2: And that was their way of getting negative attention. Having said that, eventually when the placement ended after two and a half years, that mm-hmm. child came to me and said, I was just trying to see, were you going to give up on me? Wow. Because so many people <coughs> in my lives have given up on me. and I was just waiting to see when would you give up on me so that was her way of seeing how far can she stretch
0: (laughs) so when when someone tells
2: me you're doing it for money I tell them the money I get Mm. can you divide that by 24-7 and tell me how much I earn per hour (laughs) and then come and tell me I'm doing this for money yeah, I mean, even even yeah, then, money you know. is a factor, no doubt about that because we have to take the children, to, uh, we take children to the hospital, we have to pay for parking. Recently, last two weeks ago, I had a placement. I had to take mm-hmm. a child for a medical, mm-hmm. and we were there in the hospital. I think for nearly three hours. We came out, and I paid ten pounds parking.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool. Now, well,
2: where is the ten pounds going to come yeah. from?
0: Of course, and you know, I mean, people may be wondering, you know, why why are we mentioning money at this point, but. I think any parent, when having a child, do they not consider how expensive a child's gonna child be, needs, right? Yeah. <laughs> and having said oh. that, you know,
2: the, the one thing is that when you get child's allowance, yeah,
0: yeah,
2: it's all accounted for. The social worker will come and see. Right. So you need to show them receipts. They'll sign off the receipts. Mm-hmm. Whatever mm-hmm. is left, we need to put them into, into the savings account for them. Right, right, right. <coughs> uh, just now, when I'm getting my twenty fifth uh, year. Award, a lady is getting an award. She was expected to save 4,000 for this child. Mm-hmm, She's mm. ended up saving 12,000 pounds for oh, this
0: incredible. child. Wow, okay. So
2: 8,000 above yeah. what was expected of her. So she said, when the child was not using her allowance for buying clothes or makeup or mm. whatever, I used to put into her account
0: beautiful stories like that and you know it's interesting you you so modestly skipped over that factor that you're getting an award for 25 (laughs) years of foster caring where where, so who is that who is the award coming from because this in itself it's from the
2: local authority okay and it's for the service we we give to them see
0: another example of the support and as I say you know um, the the communal kind of effort uh, whereby why then returning to this article why do you feel there is such a kind of um, there's such a distance between the two voices, you know, in terms of when you have the support of your local council, when you have um, uh, other foster carers working mm. with you to provide the care that's necessary, and then on the other hand, we've got to battle the media narrative. Why do you think this is the case at the moment? Sure.
1: Well, I think, you know, the everyday good stories always go unnoticed because mm. they're partly not looking for recognition or reward and people are not shouting about it. Right, Whereas right. we know, unfortunately, sensationalism sells you know you want clickbait headlines so people will click on your on your website yeah. you want the, those front pages that are screaming things that will evoke those emotions so people mm-hmm. come and buy your papers and it is a real shame that you know as, as a society actually we don't do more to, to unearth those positive stories and really shine a light on them and use them as examples of good practice
0: mm, indeed indeed and I mean uh, I
1: think if the headlines would have been yeah. a Muslim carer looking after
2: a Christian child yeah you'd have more people coming forward say, so can we become carers as well
0: mm, mm. That's interesting. <laughs> well, I would love to see or at least do that social experiment. That would be amazing to, to be able to tell uh, one way or the other because uh, as I said, often when I speak to Muslims, uh, and this may be um, something which you can help people with and maybe it will encourage people thereafter um, to partake more in the fostering programs. But often when I speak to Muslim um, parents who could be potential mm. carers, the issue of mahram and na-mahram always comes up, right? And people, I find, and maybe I'm being a bit harsh because, you know, as I say, it is a difficult job. But I find it's a very easy way for them to suddenly sidestep, you know. Uh, right.
2: Mahram, na-mahram is death. There. There's no doubt about that. It's wajib and you have to be careful about right. these things. My husband and my intake was that our main thing is to help a vulnerable child.
0: And just to clarify, if there's any Muslim, sorry to auntie to interject, yeah. if there's any uh, non-Muslim, you know, mahram and non-mahram, what this means is if somebody is non-related to you um, and you're of the opposite sex, um, you know, being in their presence, you know, why do Muslim women wear the hijab is cause to that effect. So obviously, if you're adopting a child who's not related to you, you're gonna have those issues. But sorry, please continue. Yeah.
2: So me and my husband both decided that no, our, our main aim is to help a vulnerable child right. so at that time we're not going to be bothered about hijab and that we have had family members come and say oh no she should be wearing hijab in front of your husband right What right. tell husband muhammad she should be wearing hijab in front of him muhammad said what are you talking about mm-hmm. the issue over here at the moment is to keep this child safe to make sure the child proceeds in normal life in her life properly the yeah. way she's supposed to yeah Hijab comes after that. Right. Yes, hijab is there, wajib, but it's not forced. Mm-hmm. You cannot any you can you cannot force anything in our religion.
0: Exactly, isn't exactly. it?
2: So yes, hijab has been an issue, but that's why I have purposefully chosen.
0: The ages, ages. And the, but hmm. now
2: when I'm doing the girls, mo- many Muslim teenagers who come to us are wearing hijab anyway. Okay. So when my husband or my son are in the house, they'll mm. have their dupatta on there. Okay. Right, right, right. But
1: like I think also if you hmm. have a lot of um, Muslim families you now have children who are older who either moved away for university got married and had their own homes, but they do want to give back. Yeah. So I know particularly with the refugee crisis, there are yeah. lots of Muslims who came forward and said, you know what, I want to do something. Mm-hmm. I've got spare room. I've got a lot of love and compassion to give. Mm-hmm. You know, this is something I want to get involved in. Of course, not realising that it'll take you two years to get to that, that stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and like, you know, I think actually the refugee crisis, if there is a silver lining, is mm-hmm. that it has invoked those emotions by people from all backgrounds across the country. And so, you know, inshallah, off the back of that, mm-hmm. more people might be, be looking into becoming carers. We hope so. And we
0: hope that, you know... Um, It hasn't put people off, you know, storylines like this, Mm. um, you know, and the misinformation that's been put out there. Um, And, you know, bear in mind, guys, we are on Facebook. So please do hit us up with any comments you have. I'm looking to see, you know, if there's any potential questions for you. So if you guys don't mind answering um, because I'm sure people have, uh, you know, questions for you, especially, for instance, in terms of the the logistics and the pragmatics, which we've talked about, because, you know, um, to become a a foster parent in itself, I've heard, um, is not an easy problem process necessarily um it's quite uh arduous and strenuous process and it's quite
2: intrusive as well
0: okay yes um this is something which i was talking to a lady the other day about she's a a psychiatrist a very highly qualified um uh, person but she's also an immigrant so she's from eastern europe and she was saying that she unfortunately she can't have children herself and she had tried to go down this route um but found it really difficult and in the end got put off um, and kind of gave up in the end. Could you maybe I don't know if you've had any similar experiences, or at least if you know of you know how do people cope uh, <laughs> with that side of things, or you know?
2: I think um, it depends on what your motivation is. If right. your motivation is to help your child to give back to the community, yeah, then let them ask whatever questions they want to ask.
0: Mm-hmm. Well,
2: I guess it's so their you... right to know because you you are taking somebody's child into your house, into your family and the child is going to live with you mm-hmm. they need to know that you're, you're the place that they are sending the child to is Safe for the child, and
0: it, and there's a big distinction that we need to make here between adoption and fostering, mm, because yeah. that point is that it's temporary, right? Yeah. They're going. The whole point is, is you're almost rehabilitating them, and for the point whereby they're able to go back to their parents, where the parents are ready for them, and where they're ready to return to the parents, and vice versa. Um,
2: or they go for further, I mean, to, uh, either yeah. to be adopted, yeah, or yep. they're going to long term care. Indeed,
0: indeed, whatever
2: the situation turns out to be
0: yes and, and why is there then a need for that temporary procedure almost you know why do people not just get straight lodged into permanent uh, okay. adoption um,
2: Do you think? when a child comes first we, we, let's say today a school mm-hmm. ranked social services and said that this we think this child should go into care yeah i think i'll give a better example okay Um, I think four years ago, I had a call from social services saying there's a child at the home office in Croydon. Yeah. And we think it's a trafficked child. Right. And uh, she only speaks Urdu. Okay. Now, we know that you're not an Urdu-speaking family, but you do understand Urdu and you'll be able to communicate with her. She doesn't speak English. Mm -hmm. So we are bringing her to you. Mm -hmm. So I said, fine. It was a 12-year-old girl. Yeah. The girl came to me and, of course, she was just crying. She wouldn't talk, nothing. It took a week for us to find out Hmm. that she had come into the country with her mother so she's not a trafficked child okay what happened to mother she wouldn't say she would not disclose she just kept quiet and we're not allowed to question them we cannot probe them to give us answers or anything it just whilst you know, if I go shopping or when I'm at home doing something she would be following me around and then she would say is it bad in Islam to lie Um, do you think lying is bad Mm -hmm. and she was asking me questions like that I mean she was a 12 year old girl so I would say yes lying is bad but depends on what circumstances you lie because in certain circumstances you can lie Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then I think it was two months two and a half months that she told me that no my father has come here already he's an illegal immigrant for two years we've been planning to come here Mm -hmm. my mum managed to get a visa we came we met my father at Heathrow airport we came to town and then they left me with a family friend and they have both they're both living nearby but i don't know where because i don't she doesn't know london at all yeah, yeah of course and the family friend was supposed to take the child to the home office to claim asylum
0: okay
2: now when the family friend went to the home office to say this a lady has come and she's aban- abandoned her child and yeah. we want to claim asylum for yeah. her because we don't know where she is from and the girl wouldn't say where she was from she was totally quiet and she would just cry Wow, okay. So the officer who was interviewing her thought, no, this child could be trafficked. Which you, which and you can't blame. And one them, thing right? about the home office is yeah. if there's a, a girls up to 14 years old, I think, if they question them and they find the girl has been abandoned or she's alone in the country, they'll protect the child. Of course. Now, they are better than us sometimes, aren't they, in that case? <laughs>
0: indeed. So indeed. they
2: took this child into protection. Okay. And I think it took five months for her to be able to tell us the whole story okay yeah and then mom came forward that i'm the mother she went to social services office that i'm the mother that did dna test and everything yeah and then the girl i think after eight months was reunited with her parents and now they're legally in this country the social services fought for them whatever the circumstances would have been that they left pakistan we didn't know yeah Yeah. but and that was nothing for us to know anyway.
0: that in itself is interesting, the fact that they were left, um, so that they were given uh, the rights to stay Stay, after all that. As I said,
2: what the circumstances are, we don't know but what I'm trying to say is that this is the reason why when a child comes into Mm. care, they don't know the whole story so to first find out what are the issues relating to the child being a vulnerable child they need to assess that and the assessment process sometimes takes 6 to 8 months, sometimes a year Right, right.
0: Well, it's actually quite, uh, it's quite, it's leaving me with quite an optimistic um, feel, actually, in a way, because what you've said thus far is all in the benefit of the child. Mm. You know, I don't see many, um, you know, as I say, I, I don't see many of the criticisms which many people would levy uh, against the social service, at least from your experience. Um, so again, you know, why is it so easy to make these kind of you know um, hyperbolic statements? You know, in terms of like you know they didn't even speak English. You know, um, I think it's
2: just trying to create hysteria and create problems. Nothing that's else. It. Just playing. Because if you can't, you're supposed. Sometimes you do mm. men have to attend court. If you don't speak English, how are you going to attend court? You have to write log notes every day. Really? Every night, once my foster child goes to bed, I sit down so then I can remember there's next day I would have forgotten something important. Of course. I have to write notes about what happened about the child Hmm. and that child, when the child is 18, can have access to those notes. Right, right. So I'm not even going to be able to fabricate that. Of course. And once I have done it that night Hmm. and I have already sent it to social services, I cannot retract as well.
0: Right, right. And I
2: cannot give my opinion has to be the facts
0: okay?
2: mm-hmm, so if I cannot speak if, if a carer cannot speak English how yeah. are they going to do all these things these are one of the important criteria of fostering mm-hmm. on top of that you have to go to school you need to talk to the teachers you have to go for a PAP meeting which is a personal education plan meeting mm-hmm. where you need to talk to the teachers about the education where the the designated virtual teacher would be there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it's not like you if you can't speak English you know you're not going to be able to attend these as you need you need to well
0: yeah, exactly you wouldn't yeah. be, approved, yeah. Right? Yeah. be approved you need
2: to meet so many pro I mean I had a child who was who had been hurt very badly mm-hmm. and I had police officers coming to my house to talk to the child and to see how she was getting on mm-hmm. I think for three consecutive months every other day they were mm-hmm. coming or making phone calls mm-hmm.
1: I had to take the child to them for interviews as well. She was only four years old. And you're the advocate for that child in that case. so Okay. So if you can't speak English, how are you, how are you going them? to support the child?
0: Precisely, precisely. Well, this is the point. I think, again, you know, in terms of the hysteria you mentioned, um, the, the whole kind of niqab-wearing uh, lady is made to seem like some alien body mm-hmm. whereby you know by putting on a scarf all of a sudden you are a different species and creature um to the rest of mankind okay. because uh, it's just bizarre to think that a family who would want to take on so much responsibility because all i'm hearing here is firstly the the massive kind of burden that's put on you as a parent, because you've got other children as well. Um, And then at the same time, what is expected of your other children? Because I know the small change that happens in a family at a time of youth, Can have such adverse effects to a child. Just moving house or moving school can have such an effect on a child. So, what is it like to bring in a child who is not related, could be of a different ethnicity, nationality, from a different country, speaking another language, whereby your whole life is turned upside down to ensure that that person is safe, at the same time (laughs) as that, you know, you've now got to give all this extra attention to this person? I mean, as a sibling, how did you cope with that, you know, and especially the kind of constant conveyor belt of the next child and the next child because when you know um, a family leaves like you say those those girls that you got close to do you stay in touch with those people or do or is there uh, you know, or is it just very hard because of the nature of hmm. things? You know, um oh, sorry, yeah, just.
1: So, I mean, in loads terms of things <laughs> there. Yeah. In terms of staying in touch, I think it really depends on the case right. and the complexities and whether where they're moving on to, that you know, the parents or the carers are okay with them staying in touch. So with those children in particular, we weren't able to maintain contact right very long. However, once they became adults, they actually got back in touch. Um, so, really nice. you know, one of the girls turned up to my house um, and was just like, I remember living here and it was like a huge reunion. Other children have gotten in touch over social media, mm-hmm. um, whereas there are other children that, you know, you continually stay in, in touch with. So there's one child, for example, where we'll have regular visits. And so you, okay. you can kind of maintain that relationship. Nice, nice. Um I think each child uh, deals with it in a different way. So like my sister, for example, she's a lot more kind of emotive than I am. Right. So she might react in a specific way, whereas I may be slightly reacting differently. Yeah. Um, but I think it's been really useful to have that support network of my siblings. So you kind of, you know, you bond together um, and you can then ex- discuss and explore whatever those challenges are. Yeah. But similarly, my parents, Alhamdulillah, have been very supportive as well. So they've mm-hmm. always made sure that we've had that space mm-hmm. and opportunity to, you know, to raise any concerns we've had. Mm-hmm. But also say, you know, I'm finding this a little difficult or a little challenging. Okay. How can we kind of try and like, adapt this a bit?
0: And uh, that must be quite harder upon, obviously, you as a parent. Yes,
2: right? it is. But then we also get so- support from the social services. You see, if I something, if there's something I cannot deal with her, my supervising social worker.
0: Right, the supervising
2: right. social worker is my social worker, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so that social worker has got my interest at heart. Having said that, still the child's interests are paramount, it's okay. above mine. Yeah, but yeah. then that that person supports me. So then, if I say, Sorry, I'm really finding this difficult, how do I support my child in this?
0: Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. And then we have to, we, we have got ongoing training, and in training as well, we get this sort of training. Mm.
0: See, this is what it means, it seems so thorough in a way. You know, often this image is given that a child is just plopped off, you know, and left. Um, kind of uh, in this jungle yeah, cool. of you know unknowing and uh, as I say, therefore you know it's inevitable that so many kind of wrongs and injustices go on. But in actual fact, it's again as I say, often this hysteria created from and we've got so much to answer for as you know as the media then because if we're creating this kind of unnecessary issues mm. um, it's there's nothing helpful about it that's the point you know See, this like, is well, also going benefit? to
2: stop for example if i'm a parent and i mm. need help at the moment i'm yeah. desperate if i might end up doing something to my child yeah i would be scared to go to social services in case what would what would happen to my child they might block my well, child with someone
0: this is this is the point that this article not only does it damage the child who needs a foster parent because that parent, like you say, you've got to have a relationship with the parent still because at some point they need to return. So if they're sitting there saying, right, There's not enough foster parents, but there are Muslim foster parents available. But you know what? I'm not going to send my child to that Muslim foster parent because of all of this uh, hysteria Hysteria, that has been created. Um, Then the child's damaged now because they don't access the care they need and vice versa. So it's just it's just I just think it's really sad. What does it benefit?
2: If it's a planned move, for example, they're not taking the child in emergency. Then, yes, the parents do get a say because it's planned. Right. so you right. have time to find the carer to match the child's, yeah. yeah, ethnicity, the culture, the religion, everything. Despite that, like I had a child whose maternal grandparents were Muslim, mm-hmm. Mom was Christian, father was Christian. And they, when they came to the meeting to my house and they saw me with a hijab on, mm-hmm. straight away they said, No, we do not want a Muslim girl.
0: That's interesting. Okay, because I was going to say, Have you ever had those situations? And they
2: said, We oh, don't This is quite How few years back. How do you do it? It's no, that? fine because mm. if I was in her shoes, maybe I wouldn't want some houses to, for my child to go into. True, and I would have true, a right to say it. True, true, so true. that person said that and they told me, Sorry, we'll have to cut the meeting short. Mm-hmm. Because the plan was she was going to come to me three days later.
0: Okay, so they yeah, still yeah. had
2: three days to look for a placement that would suit the okay. child and the parents. Because the parents have to maintain a relationship as well with the carer. Of course. Yeah. Now, if that carer could, if the parent could not take that I'm a Muslim lady mm-hmm. looking after, the girl was, I think, seven years old. So for the child, it may not have been an issue. Yeah. But for a mother, if it's an issue, how am I going to then... Talk to me because we have to be able to get on with each other. Of course, for child's sake, if mm-hmm. nothing else. Of course,
0: of course, yeah. I mean, because if you weren't to get on with each other, it would be extremely. It would be
2: uh, like, uh, isn't it pulling the child, isn't it from exactly. here to there. Yeah, yeah. it mm-hmm.
0: would just be so mm-hmm. counterproductive, mm-hmm. and I've seen that situation in other examples, uh, especially in care homes where it's more institutionalized yes, because you know yeah. shift mm-hmm. workers and whatnot. So um, yeah, it, it's just it's a very sad, sad affair, um, but. Again, um, you know, coming back to then, you know, this, and sorry to harp on about the negative side of things, but, you know, as I say, when I'm looking at some of the objections made, um, or, you know, the the supposed uh, issues of contention uh, around, you know, this Muslim, and we all know obviously it's false now, but the point being is, you know, the child is from Muslim heritage, heritage. themselves, did we not know? Um, uh, so apparently, The grandmother of that child actually was Muslim, whether practicing or not. But the point being is that it's funny that not even was there any truth to the story really because if we're talking about you know this clash of cultures and whatnot um it's non-existent really mm-hmm. and truly because that family would have some understanding of what islam is i uh, would have some understanding of what that culture would be and if they were so anti for instance if they were because you know you've met muslims <laughs> who have defected away from mm-hmm. islam and, and maybe even more impassionate about you know not wanting to mm-hmm. be with a muslim mm-hmm. family mm-hmm. they would have stated from the outset like you say no there's no way they're going to. Muslim but
2: muslim because family. in this case the child was taken in an emergency so maybe the right. parents we okay. not given we, 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 we don't know the details of the details, case yeah. the, I mean, the court ruling does
1: specify that at no point w- did the mother request the local authority to move the child's placement Okay. and yeah, so they, yeah. they clearly kind of bypassed due process and gone straight yeah. to yeah. the media yeah. um, and of course it is quite alarmist I think the other point to note is the grandmother isn't based in the UK and doesn't speak very good English so <laughs> we're talking about the carers not speaking good English this child is now going to live with her grandparents who don't speak English but again it's just just another way to sell headlight sell papers unfortunately. Yeah. And also, you know, people are always looking for a bogeyman. And you know, the time we're living in, it's it's very easy to make Muslim community or Muslims and um, the bad person.
0: And as I said, you know, from what I've learned today, it seems that it's very much the opposite in that um, if we have people like yourselves, it's really quite um, promising I think, you know, because as I say, you know, having Grown up in this country being a born and bred, you know, British Muslim, you know, I, I wondered, you know, would um, my parents generation be able to take on, uh, you know, because my parents found it difficult to bring us up here in this environment, adjusting culturally. So to then take that step further to um, take on another child who is from this mm. country um, is quite a brave step. Um, and so to see somebody like yourself uh, of that generation is really quite, um, as I say, yeah, it's just quite heartwarming. And it's Thank nice you. it's nice, to, it's nice yes. to know that you know um, there are Muslim sisters like yourself yeah. at dinner. And
2: in Muslim, for a for Muslim carer's hmm. perspective, I'm saying if you're a Muslim carer, you have got extended family as well. Right, so your extended right. family are fostering as well. What yeah, you, I
0: was going to say, how are your extended family? About when you made that decision, you know, um, how are they in terms of uh, input and help and everything right. else? When
2: my husband, I decided that, okay, let's foster. Yeah. So we t- my husband's family is in India. So my husband's brother is here. So we talked to him. Okay. And we talked to my parents. Mm-hmm. And they all said, Go ahead go ahead for But just make sure that you are fair to the child. Never be mm-hmm. biased. Because if your child and that child fights, you are going to be inclined to favor your child naturally, first. Naturally. So you'll have to be very careful. And that yeah. my father used to keep on saying to me all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So both the families, like my side of the family, my husband's side of the family, both said it's a very good job, go ahead. And it's a norm for, if we are going, because we have lots of Eid gatherings, normal gathering. Mm-hmm. it's a norm that I might turn up with an, a child, <coughs> extra yeah. person for my family. <laughs> so, so it's an extra really yeah, person. So they That's always, really they'll say, okay, you don't have any child at the
1: moment, but yeah. so we are still going to catch a for one extra. <laughs> and and it has look, happened. And if, it's just our, case, and if yeah. you look through our family photos, like every family gathering, there's another head. Another <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the I remember when it? my
2: girls were young, my brother from Africa had sent me, uh, sent them two dresses mm-hmm. beautiful dresses mm-hmm. so when it came in the post i opened it up i said oh i have got four other girls in the house yeah, now of yeah. course if i give it to my two girls those girls had been living with me already for two years so they knew what clothes were there and they would have really picked up okay this is yeah. new yeah so i for three days i did not tell my children i went looking for clothes that i could find better than what my this was because this was from Tanzania, it was totally different to what I would have ke- got over here. Yeah, And then I went and got other four dresses and then I said, okay, this is what my brother has sent for all of you.
1: Oh. Whereas there's been other fa- family members who, you know, when they know that you've got a child, will will in- ensure that they are getting an either gift or a birthday yes. gift. Right. We've, had, have, we've yeah. had like birthday parties for the child, mm-hmm. uh, the foster child, and, you know, our whole extended family have come to celebrate. celebrate. But this, yes. I mean, it's such
0: an educational experience for the community, like you say then, you know, the the value which you're bringing to um, uh, the wider community through that one decision you've made um is something that you know almost is invaluable because uh, you know how do you measure that like um because as i say it's opening minds and hearts to how how do you know that somebody else won't then in turn think you know what I'll, I can do that, you know. I've seen them do this for this many years. I, I think since
2: I have started stream hmm. from my mosque we've got three other carers excellent, excellent. Just because I take the child to the mosque, of course they don't partake in anything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I go they go with me and the whole congregation loves them <laughs> you know they get all the love and they make friends very easily and you know that wait for this next auntie are we going to the mosque and I said no please auntie, we'll I please auntie please auntie <laughs> because they want to meet those aunties who will cuddle them <laughs> yeah. and kiss them yeah. and hug them yeah. or give someone a present so you know think there, look
0: forward to it everything you just mentioned there you know the key to that is love you know, yes. um, and it's we can try and label it, and you know, try and distract people about the Muslim this, Asian this, you know, language this, you know, dressing, uh, you know, all these different kind of semantic arguments, mm. which you know can try and play tricks with someone's mind. But ultimately, look at that there, mm. you know. At the end of the day, it's just about love. love people want just... to provide love to somebody who has lacked, yes. um, you know, some of that stability within, uh, you know, that framework of the family and love within that. Um, so it's just, yeah, it's just really heartwarming to hear that things are at least uh, positive from your experience, and at the same time, people are having uh, a positive reaction to it, and therefore, in turn, hopefully, um, are at least. Embarking, some people are embarking on the same journey with hope. Oh, inshallah, yes. the numbers will grow. But I mean, in closing, then I suppose uh, also I want to know then what have they responded with after you wrote your article? And I'm sure many others have been in arms, like MPAC. You know, what is the response being? Has there been any retraction of these? Uh, you know, these misinformed um, kind of headlines and things like that? Has anyone apologized for their? you know their irresponsible journalism um, are you aware of anything
1: I mean I think in the debate when, when people were calling out the inaccuracies there were mm. suggestions that you know the left or those who are pushing for for the for retractions mm. were pushing for censorship and so I think right. that's a really difficult debate to have had okay. um, I know that the Times had changed stance slightly after the court ruling came out okay. to basically clarify some of the inaccuracies yeah. without actually retracting on some of their earlier ones yeah. um, but there have also been a number of individuals who've made complaints to IPSO which is the Independent Press Standards Organisation right, and right, so this right. is the regulatory body for the media yeah, um, yeah. and one of the key clauses is accuracy and if that is upheld of course that's going to be a long investigation mm-hmm. this court case is yet going on as well for the child of course. And so only once all the facts are known, they yeah. may very well have to do um, some sort of public retraction or acknowledgement, at least, of the inaccuracies.
0: I hope so, because, you know, when I found out, for instance, you know, um, this foster family, Muslim foster family, was only a temporary measure while the supposed foster family went on holiday. Um, that really made me laugh because it's like that is how far they stretched it mm-hmm. to try and create this story, um, which, as I say, is quite laughable because we've gone so far from the truth it essentially is uh, a muslim you know who basically has been you know for a few weeks to another muslim's house while their foster parents go on holiday that's essentially what we're talking about here and we've tried to create into this big racial argument um obviously they're not muslim but you get the point in that you know they have muslim heritage well look it's been awesome having you here, Thank both you. of you sisters. Um, it's been really educational and, as I say, and uplifting to hear your story. And I could talk to you for hours and hours. Upon <laughs> it, and there's so much more I want to know, to be honest. So maybe we should do it again, um, <laughs> inshallah. But no, I think it's really commendable, the work that you do. Um, you. And at the same time, uh, as uh, somebody who I suppose has, willingly or not, because like we said, I suppose you were just it was thrust upon you but it, at the same time as I say uh, for you to have such a positive experience from it and to be an advocate for it and at the same time to have uh, taken issue with that article in itself or to have championed this cause is, as I say it is a something which is admirable within itself. And I hope that more voices like both of yours uh, can be heard. And therefore, inshallah, we as a community can take more steps towards um, following the actual Sunnah of the Prophet. Because as I say, if if every person or every family in the world could adopt one child in their lifetime, I think this world be a much, much, much better much place. Definitely, yeah. yes. Well, thank you very much both.
2: Thank you for to having To you, uh, Mr. Banti <laughs> and...
0: Obviously, to you, Smith, for joining us. us. Right, guys, this has been the Muslim Vibe. I've been Anaya Kanji. Until next time, Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Peace and love.